0: your novel in November, you can get an extended trial to use dabble to write your novel. If you're not already a dabble user, go to dabblewriter.com, sign up for your free trial, go to NanoRimo, register your November project, and you can use dabble for the entire month of November. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Be sure to join us over on our YouTube channel where we're doing some really fun videos right now. We've got a series going of ai tools for writers and how they might can help you we're also doing a series of videos coming up very soon on the different styles or methods of plotting that's going to be a lot of fun so we'll put links in the show notes where you can go over and subscribe for free to our dabble youtube channel now on to our show and we are live here in the Storycraft Cafe. I'm your host Hank Garner as always, and today it is my extreme pleasure to welcome Robin Carr to the show. Uh Robin, if you have been hiding under a rock and uh, are not sure who Robin Carr is, maybe you're familiar with her book series that have uh also been translated into very popular television shows. I'm talking about Virgin River uh specifically and Sullivan's Crossing which uh, uh, has been a huge success uh, in Canada and now has made its debut here in America and a lot of folks talking about that series as well. But many of you know Robin uh, had and have been following her work for decades. And uh, it's it's our pleasure to welcome Robin today. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank
1: you. It's nice to be here.
0: Well, thank you, um, Robin, I love to start uh, the show with a fun question and to, to kind of set the tone. And one question I love to ask people is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller?
1: Oh, that's easy. I was, um, I was a military wife and I was stuck in a small apartment with no car and two little babies. And who are now almost as old as I am, and uh, <laughs> I was reading romances, not uh, not the little romances, but we didn't have a mass market industry back in the '70s. So I was reading, reading paperback copies of reissues of classic novels like Catherine and The King's Gray Mare, historical novels mainly. And I thought, if it's fun to be kept up late at night for a good book with a good book and not be able to wait until the children had breakfast so I could read again in the morning, then wouldn't it be fun to write one? But I knew nothing about writing. I I trained as a nurse. And uh, so I bought myself, I walked to the grocery store every day with two babies in a stroller. I bought myself a, a notebook and a bunch of pens mm-hmm. and I started telling myself a story on paper and I thought this is cool I really like this what's gonna happen next I would always ask myself what are you supposed to happen next and it was really fun and then after a short period of time I got serious
0: mm-hmm. so uh, from uh well, let me ask this: What came first? Was it a character? Was it was it a a scenario? I'm I'm always fascinated with where stories begin. You know, some people are, you know, say, where do you get your ideas from? And and to me, that's not nearly as interesting. No one knows as, where they get them. Yeah, that there and there are story ideas everywhere. You know, it's you know, what do you run? With? But but what usually comes to you first? Is it a character? Is it a plot device? Is it what kind of kicks off that creative Well, in the process.
1: early days, and I remember I was in my mid-20s, yeah. um, in the early days, because I was reading historical novels, I thought in terms of history. And I and I was thrilled to learn that most of those things were were true, were real, that the kings and queens actually existed. So my first book started with the illegitimate daughter of a king. (laughs) So it's kind of the it was kind of the scope and the setting that first drew me. Now there's no question about it. I have to start with the character and find out what he's up against or she's up against.
0: Yeah. When, when you got those, those notebooks and pens and started writing, um, did you, did you finish that novel? Did, did you? No,
1: no, no. (laughs) In fact, everything from kidnappings to murders happened in that novel. And it all happened in 45 pages. (laughs) I didn't know anything. So my next quest was to go to the library and find books on how to write, which I did. And it was my third completed novel that sold, which is actually, everybody thought that made me a prodigy, right?
0: Right, right. That it's so funny. Writing is one of the pursuits that um, so many other things you kind of figure out before you put in a lot of work. Wow. If this is going to be, you know, um, uh, uh, viable or not. But writing is one of those things that you have to put in all of the work up front and yes. then decide if it's viable or not.
1: Yes, and and when people are learning and they're in that learning stage, I often tell them, think of it as a college uh, education. You're going to work for at least four years before you get it right.
0: Right. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. A lot of times it's a decade or more. It, it, and
1: you know, now that we have self-publishing, I mean, we've always had self-publishing. Sure, But now sure. that it's so easy and inexpensive to self-publish, I fear that people don't put in the time.
0: Yes. And, and, and I, I saw, uh, you know, about 10 or 12 years ago, we had the Kindle revolution. And then, right. you know, Amazon built this whole... Um, indie publishing or self publishing platform you know to to uh, get works to publish and you know it opened like you said it opened all these doors to people But what we saw is, yeah, too soon and is that, you know, there there's a certain level of gatekeeping that was happening that that I can that I think has kind of corrected, but it went too far to one end. And and now I see that it's kind of coming back to the middle where for, for whatever reason, as humans, we have to go to these extremes before we, you know, kind of find the path in the middle. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I am so grateful that it was a deep easy to self-publish when I was struggling to, I mean, I have books, beloved books that have been really successful that took three, four years to sell. I'm so glad self-publishing wasn't available
0: to me. (laughs) True. true. It it, it forced you to to hone your craft, didn't it? Yes, it did. Well, you you said that you trained as a nurse and, and I didn't know that about you, but, um, and there's there's a theme that pops up in a lot of your work and is yes, I that know. there are that is, healthcare professionals that are yes. the, the heroes of your story and that makes perfect sense now.
1: Yeah, well, but my kids. My, uh, my son is a surgeon and my daughter is a police officer.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Well, that that makes perfect sense looking at your body of work. Yeah, It was
1: nice of them to do that for <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> so you how long did you well you said it was your third book um, yes. that got published um, and how long are we talking like from from the time where you said I'm going to buy some notebooks. I
1: think it was about three about three years
0: okay okay and there, so were, we're, there
1: were a lot of false starts in there
0: yeah Yeah. Um, so I started writing
1: something and it just wasn't working and yeah. throw it away and start again
0: what, that first book that sold, um, what was what was the what was that story about?
1: It was titled Shalin, which is a woman's name, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it's a long book. It was a historical novel set in Restoration England. Okay. One of the things I knew right away was that I would never write a book with a Russian base mm-hmm. or setting. I couldn't get through the tea party at War and Peace. Mm-hmm. So right. the English are kind enough to give us very simple, good names.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you kind of switch gears from his, the historical setting to a more modern contemporary setting?
1: After 10 years, after 10 years and, and as many novels all published in hardcover, um, I was kind of burned out on nights and tights.
0: I understand that,
1: and I, I love that. contemporary study. Yeah. I love, love, love it. Do
0: Do you feel like it was uh, a change in the market that that drove that, or was it a change in you that? No,
1: it was definitely a change in me because okay. every time I sent in a proposal of a new a contemporary novel, they'd say, "Well, what about restoration England? What about medieval England? Well, what about?" Mm. And I'd say, "Just look at this."
0: gotcha so do you feel like that that contemporary uh, was there a market for contemporary then like there is now
1: yes and i'll tell you why it was called the romance wars uh, it was back when it was back when there was there was one when i started writing there was one contemporary romance publisher harlequin right 10 years later there were at least 20 yeah and then Harlequin bought Silhouette, and we were almost back to one. Now, all the publishers published <laughs> some romances. Yeah. But as far as having a romance line, like Second Chance and Love and Silhouette Romance and Harlequin Romance, um, we don't have that many lines anymore. <laughs>
0: Well, it's so funny because we look at the, the landscape of publishing now and we see all of these sea changes that are going on in indie publishing being one of those things that have been introduced. Um, and we see all this upheaval. Um but we really are kind of short-sighted because, like you talked about with the Romance Wars, things like this have gone on in publishing forever.
1: Forever. Um, Do you
0: yeah. remember
1: attending ABA? And now we're back to ABA again. I mean, <laughs> it's, right. it's been, it's, life is very long in this industry.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I think I heard you say one time that you started writing and, and forgive me if I get the dates wrong, but something like I, I started writing in, in 1978 and I didn't have my first bestseller until 2008 or, oh, you or something. Oh, that
1: exactly. That's exactly right.
0: How about that? How about that? My
1: first book sold in 78. I had my first bestseller in 2008. A mere 30 years.
0: A mere 30. It's... It went, the blink it of an down, eye. It
1: went by like that, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> what? Um, now you obviously were not just barely scraping by. Those thirty years, you were a successful midlist author. Is is that safe to say?
1: I don't think you could even say that. I think I was merely scraping by. I had one book that was pretty successful. Well, I, I was a hardcover author. The library was my biggest customer. Gotcha. I had one book that was um, pretty successful called Mind Trist. And uh, it was the only thriller I ever wrote. Wow. It did try writing other thrillers, but it turns out I'm not very scary. (laughs)
0: Well, what, what motivated you to keep going? You know, uh, 30 years is, uh, is a, you know, A lot of people would have said, uh, you know, maybe this is a fun hobby, but it's not, you know, something that that I can make a living at. I can't support a family. A lot of people would have just given up. Why did you not give up?
1: There's no telling. My daughter tells it this way. She said, "Um, the one thing that you really taught me is to never give up, never say die, never quit. And she said, you kept going and going and going. When anybody with a brain would have gotten a job at Starbucks where they at least get benefits. (laughs) I've made my peace with why I was writing a long time ago, I didn't think I would ever have a bestseller. And when I had my first bestseller, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, uh, I think it was like number 37 on the extended New York times list. And I thought, hey, I could die a happy woman. <laughs> I didn't well, know did there it, was anywhere to go from there.
0: Yeah. Little did you know where you would be sitting in, in 2023. That that's the, that's the beautiful thing. You, you felt, like you had achieved everything you ever thought and then had no idea what was to come that it has to be surreal looking back.
1: It it is. And you know what? I'm glad it happened this way. Of course, I'm always glad everything happens the way it
0: happens. Of course. It's um, the only one you've got.
1: It's the only way I've got (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) So Uh, what was the, what was the breakout book?
1: It was, I think it was the fourth or fifth Virgin River book.
0: Gotcha. What, any idea 12. what any idea why that book resonated the way it did?
1: I think it was a um, I think it was building with the Virgin River series. yeah. And then the real beauty of it is that whole backlist when yes. they were reissued, they did just fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was about say, to. What
1: was it? What did it? What did it? Was it? Was it an ad? Was it a a marketing thing? Was it? A, you know what? The readers do it.
0: The the readers, right? That that it had a a certain word of mouth that just
1: great word of mouth. Yeah, and when you get that book that readers can't shut up about, right? Or readers talk, don't they? I mean, yes. have you ever been accosted in a bookstore? Hey, you got to read oh, yes. this. Yeah. Yes.
0: Times. <laughs> I yeah. I have a couple of friends that when I go to their house, you know, they they, um, you know, almost violently, you know, recommend books to you. You, know, know. you will take this and read it. You know, okay. I okay. have that
1: to me with uh, somebody was um, told me that I had to read the Black Dagger Brotherhood. And I said, nah, I hate vampires. And they said, no, this one you'll love. And I said, nah. And finally, somebody said to me, if you'll read the first 50 pages and can stop, I'll never bring it up again. Oh. Well, so I was at my own signing, no one was there. And uh, <laughs> I went over to the shelf and got the first book and that Black Dagger Brotherhood. And I was totally absorbed um, instantly. And when somebody came over to, the, to have me sign one of my own books, I went, I'm busy here.
0: Oh, that's so funny.
1: And I think the greatest compliment you can get from somebody is when they say, I had to call in sick to work because I needed to finish the series.
0: That's a fantastic compliment. Isn't that, that great? That's a fantastic compliment.
1: Or I was reading at
0: stoplights. Right. Right. Well, imagine if the the first Virgin River book would have been an instant New York Times bestseller. Imagine the pressure that would have put on book two and book three that had not been written yet. Having a fifth book become a breakout success, not only Um, you know, allows you to have a back catalog to sell, which is amazing. Um, But it also allows those to to be organically what they already are and and not have the pressure Um, that that that's such a gift as well.
1: You know, I'm just not one of those tortured writers. (laughs) Never have been. I, I write for I write for pleasure and for fun. Yeah. And for joy,
0: yeah is the is the Virgin River series still ongoing, or have you kind of no, closed the chapter uh, on that I series? Thought,
1: I mean, I thought twenty one um, that's a little intimidating. and yeah. sometimes you lose readers. I go in forever. you know they yeah. they think they don't want to read the first one because if they like it, they'll have to re- read twenty more. Yeah.
0: True, true. So everything
1: must come to an end, and I think it's come to an end. You never know. I should never say never. Right. Next thing you you know, I'll get an idea. And one thing about uh, writers like me who are pansters right by the seat of their pants, (laughs) I I can't turn my nose up at a good idea. I don't get them that often.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Do you ever fear writing a character or a set of characters too long um, that, that either you'll run out of good ideas to, to put them in, or, um, you know, if you, if you spend too much time with anyone. I run
1: out of ideas in every book. (laughs) In every book I say, well, it happened. I knew it would happen. I'm empty. There's nothing out
0: there. Yeah. Then
1: three days later, aha aha i know
0: what right do you um th- there are uh, certain hallmarks to to your books um uh, you know with whether we're talking about virgin river or sullivan's crossing there's a a tight knit community of people usually centered around a place um And then, you know, you you find some way to torture these characters in this beautiful, idyllic place. (laughs) 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 And the Friendship Club, your new book, um, is is a little like that on the surface. It looks very different. But when you get into the book and get into the meat of the characters, th- there's still a lot of Robin Carr there, if you will. Oh yeah. they're
1: all—they're all, I hate to say they're all the same. They're really not, but um, but they're all women's fiction and romance. Yeah. In every book, you'll find uh, a woman's issue that needs resolving, and you'll find a romance that needs completion. And there's always a sense of community. Some uh, uh, somebody somebody did a, a paper, a college paper, a postgraduate thesis on my books and calling them socialist because they're like little communes.
0: Yep. True. Wow. Um, are you? Uh are you surprised ever? Um, because we use words like like romance uh, for genre, and a, a lot of times um, that will sort of segment your readers. Um, just because of the the genre name, uh, you'll have a lot of women readers. Men will tend to sort of shy away from some of these stories because they they there's a certain stigma that comes you know in, in the male's mind um are you ever surprised when you see how much crossover there is in your readers how many men oh, come I to your stories Thursday
1: river I, I i've got a lot of men writing to me and loving Amen. it and i'm not really sure why i guess there is enough balls and guns and <laughs> in the books to <laughs> satisfy them but uh, but they love it they love it, love it.
0: Yeah that's uh and and really that that's kind of uh you know a hallmark of of a, a writer who's connecting with readers is that that you can bring in all sorts of readers and they're finding things that maybe you weren't even thinking about when you wrote it and
1: right. Right. connecting and the demographic is astonishing you know i've always liked having little relationship issues with teenagers and with middle-aged people and with elderly people and, and it turns out my demographic is pretty much 19 to 90.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: That and I don't amazing. think I did it on purpose. It was just the way I wanted to tell the story.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, as a self-described uh, pantser, uh, as you said earlier, um, do you have any sort of roadmap when you begin a story? Do you do you go into the story with ideas about how a certain plot point is going to resolve or a, a character's well, journey? Sure. Okay, do, do you,
1: a, equal that, uh, don't work out? Wow.
0: Of course. Of course. Do you, do you have any sort of planning process that do you do you do any sort of pre-writing before the actual drafting of the novel begins? Have You know, no, like after 40 something page books, page what's your what's your process like?
1: I like to start on page one. I love the idea that I don't know how it's going to end. I just know it will be a positive ending because that's kind of my moral center.
0: Sure, sure. Wow do do you uh, how long does it take to, to draft a book typically I'm I'm, I'm sure you know, after all of these years you've you've kind of come to a rhythm to your writing
1: I do have a, kind of a rhythm I've spent as long as three years on a book Wow and I've also gotten one done in in three months do,
0: What's the what's the difference in those two projects the like Difference what, is
1: probably mostly with me and my mood
0: mm. Wow. and
1: what I want to deliver.
0: Yeah. Do so you, here's a story for you. Okay, uh, please.
1: My agent and I were knocking around, what could we do? What can I write about that I haven't already written about? And she said, a friend of mine found out her husband had an affair and it's been over for years, but it lasted five years. Wow! And I said, can I write about that? And she said, sure, why not? And I said, I'm going to write about that. You know, you work a lot of things out when you write about it. And so uh, not knowing whether that husband was just a fallible man or a bastard drove me through that book. And by the time I ended that book, I wanted to marry him.
0: (laughs) I love it. So that's how it all evolves. Gotcha. Yeah. So many times you'll, you'll finish a book and look back over the story that you just told and themes will emerge. Um, And, and maybe it's because this was just something you were thinking about or wrestling with in your subconscious. And it just kind of came through the writing or sometimes there's something on your mind when you begin the writing and you sort of steer that. Do do yes. you how how has that worked for you? Does that ever happen where you intentionally oh, yes. put things in?
1: It's absolutely the way it happens. In fact, after my divorce, I wrote five books about cheating husbands. <laughs> I'm so sick of cheating husbands. I hope I never have to run into another one. But it was it was in the front of my mind and I couldn't drive it out. Wow. So I write about it. And so
0: you wrote it out.
1: <laughs> I wrote <about> it out. <laughs> Love it. Everything worked out in the end.
0: Apparently so. Um, the Friendship Club, is, is this a standalone book? Is this going to be yes. the first in a new series?
1: No, it's a standalone book. I okay. have, you know how you go down these rabbit holes at the computer all day long? I was getting, I was getting... Torn in half by all the cooking shows. I don't even cook. And I'm watching all of these cooking shows. And I finally thought the only way out is in. So I'll write a book about a chef.
0: I love it. Um, How do you determine if a book is going to be a standalone or if a story idea has series potential?
1: I think you have to write at least most of the book. I thought Virgin river would be a standalone really a a small town romance. That's what I planned. By the time I I was halfway through it, I realized that um, these people have friends and they have, they have a lot invested in their town and it could go on indefinitely.
0: Yeah, true. True. Um, There have, speaking of that, there have been, some changes from the books to the television show. Some of them were necessary for the the different narrative style of of TV versus books. Some of the characters have been, I'm I'm thinking of, of one particular couple that are are a couple in the TV show that are not in the book. Um, But how do you feel about the, the way things have to change for television? Does that bother you at all? Or do you,
1: no, not at all. Them
0: as two different things.
1: I see them as two completely different things. I make books, not movies, so I have a real hands-off approach to that. Let them do what they must do. They are the movie makers, and uh, some of the ideas that they come up with, I thought, well, I think my idea is better, and then other times I think, I wish i thought of that.
0: Right. Right. Love it. Um, the friendship club, uh, publishes in January, January 23rd. Um, wh- tell us about this story. Where, where did the, you, you said you were thinking about cooking and, and cooking shows. Uh, where does this story take us?
1: Well, it, uh, it stays with the, um, the chef, her assistant who is also a chef, um, her, uh, a student that, that is, um, um, kind of help she's kind of an assistant helping and um, and and her daughter, her pregnant daughter, and they're all their love interests. So it's another it's another group, an ensemble cast and a group of women sorting out women's issues and love issues.
0: Gotcha. Well, if we know anything about the publishing industry, the Friendship Club has been off of your desk for uh, a few months, probably. And, you know, while it goes through all the, the publishing uh, machinations, uh, what are you working on these days?
1: I am writing a book about an apartment complex. Interesting. And somebody Speaking in the apartment complex. And... And um, and there's a and there are a, a variety of characters in there, and they rub each other the right way and the wrong way.
0: <laughs> love it. That's that uh, perfect fodder for uh, interpersonal tensions and uh, love and and everything under the sun.
1: You know, I wonder sometimes if I have a short attention span because. I'm always writing about groups of characters.
0: Well, you know, your your audience uh, has has proven out that that they're here for it. So, you know, I wouldn't change. They're great. They're up for anything. That's right. That's right. Well, Robin, this has been so much fun chatting. The Friendship Club comes out January 23rd, and uh, you can go pre-order it now. We'll put a link in the show notes, and uh, you can either pre-order it from Amazon or go to your local bookstore, support local books, put it on pre-order there. Um, Robin, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Well,
1: thanks for inviting me, Hank. I had fun.
0: That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The StoryCraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at dabblewriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening.